0: Good morning. Good seeing y'all here. Um, It's a good day to be in church. Every day is a good day to be in church. Um, Do appreciate your uh, faithfulness—not to me, obviously, but to the Lord. Uh, A lot of people, when the pastor's away, you know, they'll they'll take that opportunity to sit out, stay at home. But uh, the Lord knows you've been here, and He knows your faithfulness, and you know it's it's much appreciated. Um, Talked to pastor this morning. As things have been going real good down there. I guess they had, a, I, think he's, I forget if he said 37 or 36 graduate on Friday, so that's, that's quite a bit. That's a big graduating class, so that's a blessing. I asked him how the new building was. He said it was, uh, they had about 700 people there, and it was already maxed out. So uh, Dr. Peacock said he should have built a bigger building. So I guess they have room to build on. They can add some uh, balconies and stuff along the way as they see fit. So. But uh, that's a good problem to have. Uh, I don't think that'll be their normal attendance, but, you know, for the graduation, all the people that came in, but um, so it sounds like it's been a good time down there, I haven't listened to any of the messages yet, I'll probably start downloading them this week, but uh, recommend that, I guess there's like, uh, I, don't, I forget how many peach, pe- preachers preached, um, but I know last year there was 30 some, so it's probably only gone up. Uh, if you could, wait for me while I get the right thing up here, um, turn to Ephesians 3.20, So in Sunday school, being that, you know, I'm just doing a one-off lesson, um, I'm just going to pick a topic, kind of going with the topic this morning, so we'll be doing some page flipping and bouncing around a little bit, I'm sure I have plenty more here than I can cover in the next 30 minutes or so, but that's good, Uh, I never want to run out of material, but if you can get to Ephesians 3.20, we're going to kind of use this as our springboard, and then we'll we'll move on from there. Um, Coming up to Thanksgiving... And typically, Thanksgiving, uh, most people I know, most people I talk to, it's really a a time of anything but giving thanks. Uh, Most people, it's a a time of, you know, shoving as much food as possible down your throat in a short amount of time and then passing out on on the couch in front of the TV, watching football. Um, You know, a lot of people I know that they would hurry up and they would eat their meal, then they'd go back before 2020 and COVID, they would go... uh, To the stores, and they would literally stay out all night long shopping, and you know, pack their car full of stuff, and some of it may even been for Christmas gifts. Although I think most of it was probably just for them. Um, So really, you know, Thanksgiving, while it's it's intended to give thanks and and that sort of thing, uh, unfortunately, it's been turned into something different. But what I want to talk about this isn't a Thanksgiving message, but it is about God's abundance and about the things that He's given us in abundance. And uh, so as we're going through this, like I said, I I only get to teach the adults one time a year, so um, just as I'm going through this, just kind of think in your own mind how how God has dealt with you and how God has given you out of abundance these different topics we're going to talk about. I got seven here. Like I said, I don't think we're going to make it through all of them, but as we go through them, just think about how God has dealt with you in your life and on a personal level and uh, just kind of use that as the basis. There's not really a lot of teaching per se, but just a lot of bringing them to remembrance, bringing them back uh, to mind, to the forefront of our minds, um, that sort of thing. Uh, let me open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Again, I just ask you to bring uh, bring everybody back to their respective churches as they're going to be traveling back uh, home, Lord, wherever their home may be for all of them. Uh, they're spread all throughout the country. But I just thank you for the meeting down there in Florida, and I just ask you to get everybody back home safely. I pray for all the churches, Lord, where they, they have members out and just be with them, Lord. I thank you for uh, all that you provided for us here, Lord, and just the specials and the music and, Lord, and the preaching and, and just everything that's going on here, Lord. You uh, allowed us to continue on without missing a beat, and I thank you for that. And now I ask you get me out of the way and, and uh, just help with this message. I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about abundant supply. So Ephesians 3.20 it says no one him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So we're talking about, uh, doing exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think. So more than we can imagine, more than we can fathom, more than we can wrap our minds around. We're talking about the one that has the ability to, to provide for us and give to us an abundance that we can't even begin to imagine or understand. Um, And it says, according to the power that worketh within us. Uh, Last week we talked about the the budding rod and how it had the power of God in it. And I likened it to us, how we have the power of God. And that's what we're talking about here, the power that worketh within us, the power of God that works within us. Uh, Let's turn to Romans 5.20. So the first thing we're going to talk about is abundant grace. And specifically abundant grace uh, for salvation, the, the, the grace to save. Uh, about a year ago, I did a five- or six-month Bible study uh, in men's breakfast, and it, it spilled over into this year, but each month, I would highlight a different aspect of grace, and, and I, like I said, it went on five, six months, something like that, and I probably could have kept going probably even now, and I still wouldn't have scratched the surface to that when you really start thinking about God's grace. Uh, it, it certainly is uh, unending. It's limitless, and, and it, it, it deals with so many facets of our life. And I think sometimes we, uh, we overlook it or we don't, we don't really uh, give God the credit where credit is due when His grace comes into question. Um, but this morning we're talking about the grace to save. Romans 5.20 says, um, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So there is an abundance of grace to save us. Okay? No matter how much sin there exists, there's always more than enough of God's grace to save us from hell. Uh, I like that there at the end. It said, uh, sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So yeah, there's sin. But there's a whole lot more grace to come. Um, God the Father. Okay, he didn't send Jesus Christ to die on the cross just to have the grace tank run dry halfway through the process. Okay, you plan a trip, go down to Florida. Everyone that went down there, you're going to stop and you're going to fill up. Whether it's on gas or whether you're going to stop and, and get electric or whatever the case may be, whatever vehicle you are taking, you know, you're, you're going to have to stop somewhere along the way to fill that thing up. That's not the way it is with God's grace. And, and his, his ability to save, uh, if, 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 and I know this isn't the case, so but just understand, if he were to tarry another 10,000 years, I know he's not, but if he were, there would still be enough grace to save everyone between now and then. Amen. It's just not going to run out. Uh, not only there's no limit to the amount of it, there's no limit to the ability it is far-reaching. It has no no limits, no no constraints, no boundaries. Um, We've all heard it before. There's nothing so bad you can uh, you can do that God's grace can't cover. But you ever really stop to think about that? And we all kind of reflect on our lives at some point. We start thinking about the things. Um, you know, a lot of people within the jails. We'll talk about that. We'll, we'll kind of use that as a point to drive home. Uh, a lot of times, the things that they have a, a hard time getting over is forgiving themselves. You know, they 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 just can't get past the point of the things that they've done, and they have to get to the point where they can forgive themselves before they can move on and accept God's forgiveness. And the thing is, God's just waiting for him to cry out to him, to reach out to him, and, and his his grace is waiting. His his forgiveness is there. Um. We like to use, you know, it's easy to pick on Adolf Hitler. He's, you know, probably one of the the, the worst, you know, bad guys, one of the worst villains. But we can liken him, Charles Manson, uh, Joseph Stalin, he's another one. Uh, I think he, in some ways, was a lot worse than Hitler. Uh, uh, history doesn't shed near as much light on him as it did Hitler because Stalin was our ally in the war. Uh, but I think he, uh, he actually killed more Jews than Hitler did. And... Uh, I think what made him even more dangerous is he was smarter. He was a very crafty individual. But that's neither here nor there. But the point being is all these, these worst people that we can think of through history, and really all they ever had to do at one point in their life was cry out to Jesus Christ. And God would have saved them just like he did any one of us. Now, a lot of people will argue that. But that's because those people don't understand God's grace. They don't understand his doctrine. They don't understand his word. They don't truly believe what this book says. I've had people tell me that, you know, well, so-and-so is going to go to hell for this or that, and they're picking out one individual sin. I'm like, don't you realize that that sin, the reason they're so angry is because they did that to you, and they made you mad. Amen. But it's not your place to determine whether or not they're going to hell. They're going to hell because they re- uh, rejected Jesus Christ, not because of that one thing they did to you to make you mad. Uh, talk about an ego trip. Um, but all these people, any of them ever had to do was reach out, and God's grace would have covered them. Uh, let's talk about, kind of go along on the same lines, turn over to Isaiah 55, 7. So we're going to talk about pardon, abundant pardon to forgive. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So, the first part of that verse there, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, it goes goes hand in hand with with uh, the grace to save. Um, But this also extends beyond just salvation. This pardon to forgive... Definitely is, is is there at salvation, but it goes above and beyond that. It goes then it continues on into our Christian life. Uh, again, just like grace, it's never in a shortage. There's never a, a, a concern of it running out, and there's always more than enough for anything that we've done. Save the rejection of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that, that he can't save us from is rejecting him. Uh, we just never you know if you don't ever cry out to him, he can't save you from that. But everything else he can cover. Um, but that first part of that verse, we have to be willing to turn our backs on that old life. And that's where a lot of people have problems. They have to let that old creature die, and they have to become a new creature in Christ. And a lot of people have issues with that up front, for whatever reason. Um, there, there's, it could be a religion. It could be the things that they've done, like I mentioned a little bit ago. Uh, it, it could be family associations. It could be a number of things that keep people from getting to Jesus Christ. And then even after salvation, there can be some things that hold them back. The um, thing is, you only need to be pardoned once, salvation. That, that thing, you only have to get that thing under the blood once, and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll save your soul. Um, you hear about prisoners on death row, and they sit there up to the hours leading up to their, their sentences to be carried out, and they're waiting for the governor to call. They're waiting for that stay of execution. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it doesn't. But see, the thing is, those people have no influence on whether or not the the governor is going to call. They've they've done their thing. They've pleaded their case. They've repealed or appealed. They've done everything they could do legally, and and they've put on the facade and done whatever they could. But beyond that, they have no ability to affect the governor's decision. We, however, have the ability to cry out and plead that shed blood of Jesus Christ. we, We have that all along. It's never taken away from us. And then that pardon is instant and eternal. It can't be reversed. Once we have it, we got it. And then after that point, okay, nothing can take that pardon away from us. He's given it to us. It's ours forever. And there's nothing you can deny us that pardon, even if we ask for it. Um, Romans 10.9 says, thou, uh, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So it's ours. It's ours for the asking. It's ours for the taking. All we have to do is reach out and take it. Um, John 1, 1.9, 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So all along the way, we have that that, that pardon, that abundant pardon is available to us. It's just a prayer away, whether it's salvation or whether uh, uh, years down the road and, and you make a mistake and goof up, as we all do. You know, we all, we all, we all sin, we all make mistakes. Um, the thing is to get that thing under the blood. Get it? Get it past us, get behind us, and then move on. And sometimes the hardest thing to do is just forgive ourselves. You know, None of us like to mess up. We don't like to make mistakes. I get that. You know, if you like to make mistakes, then, then you're lazy, and, and, and you need to, to take a little more pride in what you do. Not prideful in the wrong way, but you need to be a little more um, aware of what you're doing and, and who it's affecting and, and who it's reflecting on. Um, but we don't want to make mistakes, but they're going to happen. Best thing to do, get them under the blood, move on, and, and, and don't dwell on it. Um, the Bible says our sins are uh, as if the, the east is from the west. Now, I've, I've said it before, and I always, I always kind of blow the, the minds of the guys at jail when I say that. Look, if you are traveling north, if you go up and around, at some point, you're going to be traveling south. Okay, You, you will eventually change your directions. You'll go north for a bit, and then you'll go south, and then you'll go back to going north. But when, you're he- when you start out heading east, or if you start out heading west, at no point will you be going the other direction. You will always consistently and continually be going east or west, whatever direction you started from. You'll never switch directions. So when the Bible says our sins as far as the east is from the west, that means they'll never be together again. That, that we're, they're separated from us. We've got a blank slate of salvation. They're done. They're gone. He's forgotten about them, so you know that's not up to us to dwell on them any longer. And we shouldn't be repeating them. Let's go to Psalm thirty six eight Psalm thirty six eight It says, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. So we're talking about abundant satisfaction to fill. Uh, the temporary satisfaction of this world, it fades. Do you, you ever really want something? Maybe even lust after something? You know, you, something you just want so bad. It's just burning in your mind. You want it, and then you get it, and then the newness really wears off. You know, it, it, it really doesn't hold your attention nearly as long as you thought it would. And then you get that thing, and then, and then before long, there's, there's something else you're wanting. So you've got this constant, there's just this constant emptiness, this thing, this void that you're trying to fill. And the things of this world are not going to fill that. The, the, the satisfaction of this world, it, it fades quickly. But only God has the ability to fill these holes. I mean, we're coming up on wintertime, and right now, other than where they're doing construction, the roads are in fairly decent shape. Give it another two months, and it's going to feel like we're on an off-roading track out here. Okay, the the, the the water will get in, they'll freeze, they'll contract, freeze. The potholes will open up, and then they'll come out and they'll fill them. And then next winter, those same holes will open up again. Okay? That's what the world is like. It's just one pothole after another, and we, we toss something in there, a temporary fix. We put a Band-Aid on it. We stuff some uh, the uh, blacktop in it. We 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 tamp it down, and it dries and hardens until the next Freeze cycle comes along and all that stuff busts out and flakes away again. And then those holes still remain. And that's the way our lives are. That's the way uh, when, we, when we chase after the things of the world, that's the way it, it works. Um, we've got two things mentioned in this verse here. Uh, the fatness of thy house and of thy pleasures. So what God has, he gives to us. Uh, his house lacks nothing and neither will we. So when we get to heaven, there will be, there, we will never again be wanting or desiring anything. We certainly won't be lacking. But our desires will... will I think our only desire at that point will just be with him. Uh, we, we won't have a desire for anything else. Um, we're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. We're going to be in the presence of God for eternity. So what can replace that? What more are we going to want at that point? See, our minds are going to be totally different. It's not going to be of the things of this world. It, and... and, and uh, If we die before the rapture happens, before the catching away, if we die and go up to heaven, we're still not going to be concerned with the things of this world because we're going to be in his presence. So all these things are going to be past. They're going to be the former things. Uh, It's just not going to be on our minds anymore. Uh, The fatness of the house. Okay, we talked about that. Uh, His pleasures flow continuously and endlessly uh, like a river. So we're talking about uh, the two things here that were specifically mentioned. We said... um, the fatness of the hound, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. So you think about a river, okay? It's, it's especially after a rain, a good hard rain. That sucker is just flowing. It's flowing fast, especially if it's deep. So when you're talking about a river, you're talking about something that is wide. You're talking about something that's deep. And you're talking about something that's constantly moving. It's, it's in abundance. And that's the way his pleasures are. It's the pleasures to, to, to fill us, um, to, to permanently fix those, those potholes. I know it's a little bit silly of an analogy, but try and follow along. What I'm trying to get a point across is the point that anything we do down here to take care of those things is very finite. It's not going to last very long. But God has the ability to fill those holes permanently. He has the ability to to take residence in our life and provide us everything we need to the point that we won't want or desire anything else. Um, I love chocolate. Okay. I, I I I do like chocolate. Uh, my wife, she'll go and she'll get candy and, and I get excited. And then I find out she gets like Sour Patch this or Gummy that. And I'm like, I don't want that. You know, I don't, I don't want sour. If I, if I want sour, I'll eat sauerkraut. I want sweet candy. Candy's supposed to be sweet, right? I like sweet candy. I like chocolate. I'm pretty sure Snickers, when they came up with that slogan, really satisfies. I'm pretty sure they got that from me. Because when I was really little, all the way up to now... There's no better candy bar than Snickers. I love a Snickers bar. Zagnut's pretty close too. But I, uh, just a different type. But I like Snickers bar. Okay, for me, when I want chocolate, it satisfies. And a lot of us act the same way, whether it's a vehicle or a house or, or your, you know, you got your man cave or a workshop. I know a guy I work with, he has this, this big old shop and he can house two cars in there and he's got all his tools and he got all this stuff. And it's still not big enough for him. He wants to build it even bigger. Reminds him of that guy that wanted to build bigger barns to hold all this stuff. But he, he, he has two classic Camaros, beautiful cars, 68 and a 69 Camaro. And he keeps them in this shop. And, and during the wintertime, you know, he, he puts mouse traps all around. It's kind of funny listening to all the work that he does to these things. The thing is, I don't think he drives them hardly at all. For all the work he puts into them, the ratio of work to driving is, is hardly anything. You know, he, he does never spend much time behind the wheel. But he puts all this work and effort into it. But see, the thing is, he's constantly chasing that, and that's what we do. We, you know, we, we get that, that house or that car, and it's still just, okay, now I got to do this. I have to add on to this, or you know, now I, this car needs this option. I should have got the sunroof, or I should have got the heated seats, or whatever the case may be. You know, I should have got the auto navigation. There's just always something more, and at some point, we have to learn to be content. Paul says, With whatever state I'm in, I, I'm content paraphrasing a little bit, but we're all familiar enough with that verse. Um, that's where we need to get to be. And with, with God's abundant supply, okay, he, he will make us content. Uh, not against our will, but we would just won't desire anything. That, the desire will be gone. With his satisfaction and abundance, we will have everything we will ever need. Uh, let's look at Philippians 4.7. So I know I'm going through this kind of fast, but the idea is I just want to bring some of these things into remembrance. Uh, we've, this is something that we've all experienced. We've certainly all experienced God's grace. If you're here today and you're saved, then you've experienced some portion of his grace. And then beyond that, we've experienced his grace in many, many different ways. Um, some of these things are just good things to, to think on. Um, you know, we've all been pardoned. That's a good thing to, to be thankful for. The satisfaction. The satisfaction. Uh, you know, the thing is, we can have that. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't have to be something that we wait for. We can have his satisfaction here and now. What that requires of us is to push off these other things, push those off to the side, and just not desire them. Our want-tos and our desires need to change. That's completely doable. Um, there was a time in my life when I was much younger, much younger Christian. Yes, my desires were a little different. I still wanted to serve God, but I was a lot less mature. Now that I'm older... I'm getting to the point where I'm realizing how vain a lot of that stuff is. But I think a lot of that comes with age, and it comes with maturity, and it comes with experience. Because after you've, you've done some things and you realize, well, that really wasn't nearly as fulfilling as I thought it would be. And then after you go through that, whatever that may be, you go through that a few times and you realize, well, there's just nothing here that's really going to scratch that itch quite the way God can. Uh, Philippians 4.7 it says, "And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." So He has the abundant peace to to quiet our souls, to to, to just give us uh, well give us the peace, but just to kind of help us relax, help us to to slow down. There we go, slow down and know that He is God. Um, there's times in our lives that most of us. Most of us have experienced that God's provided a peace that this world just can't explain, and certainly this world can't provide. Um, When they had that car wreck, there was a peace that I had at that point that that the world certainly didn't provide, okay? Uh, If I was lost, then I would not have had, I would not have been able to experience that peace because that peace came from God. Sitting there in the hospital with Andrew, um, when he was, you know, they had him sedated, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, he could have been in a coma. If somebody had just walked in the room, they really wouldn't have known the difference. And, and yes, I was upset. And yes, I was uh, partly angry. And yes, I was, you know, distraught. And then seeing Faith, you know, at home, just the slightest little movement, she was so sore and beat up and every little thing, you know, hurt. And, and so, yes, I went through a lot of emotions there. I was angry and upset and I was, you know, uh, afraid for them. You know, there's a lot of things going on. But there was a peace that I had that everything would be okay. Even, and, and I don't say this lightly, but even if one or both of them, that the things had ended differently. Okay, if we'd, if we, uh, I don't want to. It's just hard for me to say. But even if either one or both of them had died from that wreck, I know that they were saved. Okay, I know that they had a profession of faith and where they were going to be. Would I have missed them? Oh, terribly! It would have been horrible. But I still would have had the peace to know that someday I would see them again. Someday I know that I would have the peace to know that they are not in hell burning for eternity. Yes, I would miss them here. But yes, I would be happy in the knowledge that they are safe now in the hands of God. Um, When, you know, I remember when, Andrew, we were getting ready to go on a camping trip for a week like we used to do. And we had left morning service and we were heading out to the parking spot and you know, I was I was hurry and I was, you know, I was ready to go. I was I was anxious, I was in a hurry. And we get out there and I had left the keys to the camper and the, the gate to the storage facility at the house. So Robin was in the van, and so she turned around to get back home to go get him. And me and Andrew were there in the truck and me and him were talking, and he was in the back seat. And he, that day he accepted Christ as his savior. Now again, I can't tell you the date and uh, but That's when he got saved. So I knew when I was sitting there in that hospital room that that little guy was saved that day. I remember faith when she got saved. So there's things like that. God brings those things to remembrance to give you that peace, to help you just to calm down and know that He is God, even in the worst of times. Um, I've talked about, you know, 2008. That was a little bit of a tumultuous year in some regards. You know, I, I knew we were losing, I was losing my job at some point. It's like you show up to work one day and say, hey, you're going to be out of a job. We don't really know when. It could be next week. It could be a year from now. We don't really know. So just keep coming until you can't get in the gate no more, essentially is what it boiled down to. Well, I'd only been saved about 10 years at that point. I was a, I was a much younger Christian. Becca was on the way. You know, she, uh, Robin was pregnant with her. So you know, really a, an awful time to be without a job and insurance. you know, you got a baby on the way. But even throughout that, that whole time, that whole year, there was a peace that, you know, God would not leave us or forsake us. Uh, he was going to protect us and he was going to care for us. And I've said this before, too. We'd also changed churches that year. And this, that was the year, 2008, we came here. And uh, I've reflected on it and i thought about it. It was more important to me that I found the church than it was that I found the job. Um, I put my application on Monster, and I, I did that, but I really wasn't actively knocking on doors and beating down doors of prospective employers. Uh, we would, however, we visited some churches, and we ended up here. And and God has taken care of that whole thing, and here we are 15 years later, and I've still got a job, and I never missed one minute of work. I went one day without having a job and went in Sunday night with a job. So... He provided for that, and he has provided ever since. There was a peace throughout that whole process. I know a lot of people that that you know they they turned to drugs, they turned to alcohol. Uh, found out about one guy who really blew my mind. He lost his wife, his marriage, kids, everything. All went turned to drugs. You know he didn't know how to process that. He did not have that peace. Um, my sister, she died in 2019. My mom, a year and a half later, in 2020. See, I had a peace because they had both accepted Christ. My sister literally on her deathbed and then my mom at that same time. So they had made a profession of faith. So while the rest of my family was was upset and mourned them as the world mourns, sure, I missed them. But I also know that their quality of life here on earth had diminished. My sister had a lot of health issues. She never would have lived a normal life. Uh, my mom, she was up in age and she had you know some cancer and some things going on. So I know that her quality of life had gone away. After my dad died and after my sister died, she really didn't get to go out anywhere, didn't go anywhere. She never drove a day in her life, so she was basically confined to her house. So I knew that they were going to a place where they were not going to have those confinements. They were not going to have the pain and all the things that went along with their sicknesses and their illnesses. All that was gone. So while I missed, I used to call my mom every Thursday on the way home from work. And it took me a while because there were several times I caught myself reaching for the phone. I'm like, oh, she's not going to answer anymore. It took a little while to get beyond that. But once I got beyond that, I realized, you know, I, I, I understood that as soon as she took her last breath here, she was in heaven. And she had no longer experienced that pain and everything that she had held onto for them 80 some years of her life. And my sister, she didn't always have things real easy for her. She had a messy home life and just a lot of things that she did not have an easy life. But she got saved. And and shortly thereafter, she went on home to be with the Lord. So I knew then, too, that all all the things that she had gone through, everything that she had endured in this life, it was behind her. She no longer had to worry about those things. So that's the kind of peace I'm talking about. Um, No matter how bad things get down here, there is coming a day. There's going to be a time when there's going to be no more sorrow, just like that song. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more sin. Uh, At the crux of it all is their sin. That's what's causing all these things that we endure. There will be no more of that. Uh, Jesus Christ, he is, the Bible says, he is Lord of lords. And he is king of kings. And anyone in here today, which looking on this crowd, we're all saved. You have that same peace. That same peace that I'm talking about. We all experience the same thing. Or we can. Maybe there's some younger Christians. Maybe... You know, you need to maybe mature and go through some things. Maybe he needs to run you through some things to get you to appreciate that and recognize that peace. But we all have that. Um, everything here is temporary. And no matter how important we think ourselves to be, life and time will just continue on as it has for thousands of years and, all, and, and for all the, the untold billions that have died before us. Life's going to move on. We're not that important. We need to move beyond ourselves. Okay, We need to fix our eyes on... The eternal, not so much the temporary. Uh, let's go to John ten ten. I looked at that clock three times and I got three different numbers. Jeez. Now we're going to talk about abundant life. John chapter ten verse ten. It says, the thief, cometh, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Amen. So we see here the purpose of the thief is to, to inflict pain, to inflict sorrow, to inflict, inflict grief. In other words, to cause problems in our lives, to hurt us, do everything he can to keep us down. But Jesus, he said he's coming here to, to give life and give it more abundantly. Now, that doesn't, again, that doesn't pertain to this life here. We I think we can have a more abundant life here. He's talking about an eternal life. We can certainly make the most of this life. Uh, a little bit ago we were talking, and, and you know, the years are just flying by. I mean, it's just, camp was almost four months ago, and it seems like it was about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, things are just going so fast anymore. Um, and it kind of got me thinking, you know, it's, you better have some good time management skills and start making the best out of the time that we have left. If you want wanting to serve the Lord, if you want to do something, now is a real good time to get good time management skills and start doing something for Him. Uh, because whether He's coming back tomorrow or whether He's coming back in 30 years, it doesn't really matter. We only have a certain amount of time left, and life is but a vapor. And none of us know how much time we have left. Case. Even the doctors, they can put a, an expiration date on you. They can say, well, you know, you have two months. But that's been proven wrong. That's not always the case. So only God knows. Um, Jesus is saying there's much more than, than. Uh, let me see here. There's a life that is so much more than that and is available to us. The life he offers is eternal. It's sin-free. Uh, it's not a death in hell. Uh, salvation, we not only have the promise of the life to come, but the ability to live this present life even more fully. And I think that's the thing we we miss out on. Um, We don't have to be weighed down by the cares of this world. I'm not saying we're never going to experience some moments of of anxiety. We're not going to experience fear or concern. I've already told you that I have, and we all have. Um, But what I'm saying is whoever sits in the Oval Office or whatever China and Russia and, and Hamas and Iran are or are not doing, that should not be the focal point. Of our lives, this Tuesday election day is coming out. You got some hot button issues. Look, vote or don't vote. It's up to you. That choice is yours. Okay, you have that freedom in this country. Do what you want to do. Cast your vote and then walk away from it. Don't dwell on that thing. Don't get so anxious over that thing you get yourself all worked up. You can't control it. So just do what you do what the Lord. You believe the Lord leads you to do. Pray about it like you should about everything. Compare it to Scripture. Do whatever he, you think he's leading you to do, and then do it, and then walk away and leave the results up to him. A couple years ago, there was a lady that she was so worked up over the, the 2020 election with, with Trump and Biden, and she was convinced that even though she was going to vote for Trump, she was convinced that even if Biden got in office, that she would be held personally responsible for that. I said, how can, you, how can God hold you responsible for that? I mean, that, that just That's silly. You pray about it, you vote as you think he's he's, uh, calling you to vote, and then you're done. You you can't be held responsible for that. Um, The Bible says God gives us the leaders that we deserve. I think, I mean, whatever, I don't really think much of any of them. I think they're all uh, just as bad as as each other, just in different ways. It really is a lesser of, of evils when you're dealing with politicians in that regard. Trump may have been a brief respite for us before we, you know, we have our current administration. I don't know. I don't really follow it that much because it really doesn't matter to me. I know in my 51 years, guess what? I st- I, it doesn't matter when, when Clinton was in office, when, when Obama, any of them, I still had to go to work every day. None of them got to the point where they gave me a free salary and I got this to him. So I still have to go to work. I still have to do the things that I normally do and I've been doing it through all these different presidents. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to serve God. I'll go, I'll throw my vote in a box, and then I'll walk away from it, and I forget it. He's not going to hold me responsible. Look, the, the nation of Israel, they wanted a king. They wanted to be like all the nations around him. So he gave them the king that they deserved in King Saul. You know what they wanted? They wanted a tall, good-looking, strong man, and that's what they got. And, and he led them into all kinds of problems. He, they didn't have peace under his reign. He took their He did. God said, look, if you get a king, and he listed everything that was going to happen to him. All their people, all their men, how the king would take them and to pull them into service and draft them and all that. And that's exactly what King Saul did. He went straight down the path, just like God knew he would, and did exactly what God said what he would do. But he gave them the king that they wanted. The king that they had deserved through their own actions. Maybe the, the leadership we have, maybe that's a result of the, the actions of this country. Maybe this country's getting what it deserves. So... Whoever's in the office, whatever it is, I can only do so much. I can't worry about it. Um, make your best decisions and light of this book. Pray about everything. Love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's my advice, and it comes straight from this book. That's the best you can do. Um, you know what this life is? It's just a, it's just a training ground, it's a practice. You know, I, I suggest you start getting into the habit of praising the Lord here. So, you know, you just kind of get your vocal cords tuned up a little bit so when you get to heaven, you know, maybe you can sing a little bit higher and a little bit better and a little bit stronger. I know we're going to have perfect bodies there. But what I'm saying is just get in the habit of doing now what we know we're going to get to do then. And what time is he normally shut down? Quarter till or ten till? Ten? Okay. I can go through this one five minutes. Uh, Let's go to Philippians 126. Talking about abundance of God, so I mean I don't want to you know cut short if I don't have to, because um, there's an abundance of everything else we're going to get bombarded with. So might as well take an extra five minutes to hear something good. Um, might take me five minutes to find Philippians. Here we go. Philippians one twenty six says that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for by me my coming to you again. So the rejoicing may be more abundant in the NFL or the World Series Amen. or Wall Street. That's not what the verse says. May be more abundant in Jesus Christ. Don't, rejoice, or don't waste your rejoicing on the things of this world. It's not really worth it. Um, there for a while, you know, I used to be a Steelers fan, pretty, pretty strong Steelers fan. I don't really talk about much. More. I could really care less. They did some things a few years ago. I didn't like, I'm done with them, uh, don't really care, really care less. Um, but there was a time when they had won more Super Bowls than any other team, and it, it meant nothing to me. Just like whoever sat in the Oval Office, I still had to go to work every day. I still had to get my pants on, get my shirt on, go to, get dressed, go to, shirt, or go to work, You know, buy gas from my car. Nothing changed. It didn't really matter. Tom Brady and his uh, six or seven or eight Super Bowl victories that he has. Is there anybody in this room right now that has been directly or personally affected by that? Has he come and given you a multi-billion dollar check? No, of course not. Who cares that he has all those Super Bowl rings? It means nothing to any of us. So why waste your time on it? Remember the church we used to go to before we came here, this was, I guess, 2007 or eight. The um, Steelers, Super Bowl 40, so the Steelers were in there uh, that night. And I was sick, I was legitimately sick, and I could have stayed home, and I probably should have. But I said, I am not going to stay home because I know for certain if I stay home, there are going to be people that think, oh, he just stayed home to watch the Super Bowl. And Robin was gone. I think we probably just had faith. Andrew may have been just a very young baby at the time. I don't really remember when it was. Um, but I didn't want her to go and tell people, oh, he's in sick, and then, and then, oh, yeah, right, yeah, he's sick. I didn't want them to question her. So you know what? <laughs> I, went, I went to church. And then as soon as church was over, I went home got in bed, and I turned on the game. But the, same, the thing is, I didn't want to miss church because I didn't want anybody to think that I had stayed home just to watch the stinking Steelers win this. And that's when I was a pretty big follower. Back then, I was still a fan. But I didn't want anyone to think that I had stayed out of church just to watch the Super Bowl. It was, it was that important to me that I go to church. Should have stayed home. I really wasn't feeling And sometimes I thought about that. I'm like, I wonder if the Lord didn't make me sick just for that reason. Because I went to work the next day. I felt pretty good. So I'm wondering if he just didn't do that just, just to see how important my testimony was to me that day. I've messed up since then, but I can claim on to that one. Yeah, I, I, that one thing I got right. So what brings you joy? I like watching videos of our kids when they're young, growing up three years, especially at Christmas. I like seeing the looks on their faces. I like little kids when they're still cute and before they turn into brats. Oh, there's a little boy across the street. Not a great home life. A lot of issues there. But, you know, the, the grandfather's doing the best he can. I think even the mother's trying to do something right. And uh, he was talking to Robin the other day. He's like four. And so they picked him up, and he was going home, and he's hollering out the window, Bye, I love you. you know, kids at that age, that's really cute. And then they get a few years older, and they ain't so cute no more. It's just kind of mean. But I like them when they're like, that, that brings me joy. How about coming to church? Does that bring you joy? I get a joy out of parent messages in Sunday school. Lists. I enjoy that. Now, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of... Uh, Anxiousness that goes on, sometimes I get a little stressed. I don't want to get up here and fall on my face. I don't want to get up here and say something that could be a stumbling block. I don't want to, you know, uh, come up here and say something I shouldn't. So there's a little bit of stress to that. But that's only because I take it seriously. I want to do the best I can do. There's also a joy associated with it. Um, I get joy going to camp and watching all the teens come together. I hate teen drama. I hate drama in general. But at camp, I don't want to hear, I don't want that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to know about it. I just want the kids to go up there, separate from this world, and go and have a good time at camp. Get to see people they don't get to see very much. Get to hear some good preaching. I want them to, to enjoy camp for those reasons. Forget all the teen angst. That, you can pick that up where you left it. There's all sorts of things that can bring you joy. But joy things, uh, the joy in things eternal. Okay, there's only one source for that, and that's God. I want to finish. Uh, yeah, we're done. It's 10 till. Um, give us a few minutes to use the restroom and grab some coffee if we want. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, uh, just for this opportunity. And I just pray for all the visitors that may or may not be here this morning, Lord. I pray for those that couldn't make it. pray you just be with them, Lord. I love you. And again, I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.